scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally eerie, weird, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show and not not yours. If this is your first time listening to the episode, normally we would tell you to stop. stop. Go back, listen from the beginning, but just Hold wait. Hold on for a second. We're not telling you that today because today we're telling you that you should come check out our live show. We're going to do this in person. In I know you person. don't know who we are and this is your first time listening, but I promise you, you're going to want to come see us in person. If it's not your first time listening, I know you're excited and you're like, how can I come see it? Well, I'll tell you. Calm down. Plane, train, or automobile. It is Wednesday, February 23rd at Frankie Bradley's here in Philadelphia. Doors are at 7. Show is at 8. Tickets are pay what you can with suggested $5 donation. We do not want ticket prices to be the reason that you can't come to this show. Nope. Please. Show up. Come, come. It's going to be an awesome good time. It's going to be our 200th episode, and it's going to be recorded live at Frankie Bradley's. And if you don't live in Philly, or I understand it's not a handicapped accessible space, we are hoping to do a live stream. If we can't live stream, at the very least, it will be recorded and made available online. Absolutely. But come check it out. But now going back, if it's your first time listening to okay, the show. Okay, now stop. Go, go back. back to the beginning. Start from episode one, grumble Thorpe to my mouth a little bit. Thank you. And then come back and like listen to all the episodes you've got just a couple of weeks now to catch up before our 200th episode on Wednesday, February 23rd at Frankie Bradley's. There will be a test. Welcome back. I keep saying that and I feel like I should make up I know like, you a need scantron. to make that test, I guess. You gotta have a scantron. Scantron to pass out. Everyone, you have to bring your own number two pencils. They will not be provided. No, not at all. And don't you bring a number three, bitch. I've no I don't know if I've ever seen a pencil that wasn't a number two pencil though. I don't think that's yeah. I know. I just say it as as a joke though. All pencils are poop pencils. I'm so excited about our live show coming on. Number two. (laughs) (sighs) Other stuff going on? You got anything else going on? Uh, no, it's really about it. Just, you know, it's still cold here. So still cold. the still the winter season, so we're doing a lot of inside projects, like planning a live show. Planning a live show. Doing a whole bunch of I've research. Been, yeah, I really have not been going out and doing stuff. I've been hiding in it's the It's too cold. It's cold. There's snow on the ground right now. Even when there's not snow on the ground, it's cold. I don't want to go anywhere. I was thinking even today as I was walking in Mary Angela's entryway and unloading all of my layers that I am so tired of having to, as soon as I walk into a space, take five minutes to get all to my get layers under, oh off. Oh, my God. And then when I need to leave a space, I got to do the whole thing and put I, it all back on again. To tell myself to come over here, I had to, yeah, I was like, I have to put on all these layers. Then I have to go dig my car out of the snow. Oh. Like, I had to give myself time to do that. Yeah. Coming up icy Garbage. ash Lincoln Drive. Garbage. The things we go through <laughs> to give you this two star content, to make this two co star content. So show up to our live show. Come to our live show, guys. It's going to be really fun and really cool, and I'm super excited. about It, it. really is going to be like I think it's going to be just a great night, and we will be the audio. We are recording our 200th episode that will drop regular time. That audio. So if you're there, you might hear your voice or your laugh right. in our weekly you audio. Get to be a part of our show, but there will be extra stuff that will only happen for the people that are there. Yeah, so you should fucking come, man. It's going to be great. I don't even have any other banter. I'm just excited about our I live show. I too. I feel like all of our banter will happen in the episode. All right, let's do it. Let's then. just go, spit on it and go in. Let's, let's go. go. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> hey, Stephanie. Hey, Leslie. Y'all, Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Mm-hmm.
Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Who, girl, have I got? It's short, but I will say that the motto of this story for me is good for her. I love a good for her tale. This is a good for her. Go for it. September 6, 2006. Good for her. 911 call. There's an intruder in the house next door. The intruder was in the bedroom with a hammer. The woman who lives there thinks she may have strangled him. He was down when she left. Dispatch, can you put her on the phone? Well, she's bleeding. Dispatch, does she need an ambulance? No, she's a nurse. She says call an ambulance for the guy, though. He might be dead. Spoiler alert. Good for her. He was. Good for her. (laughs) Susan Kuhnhausen, Kuhnhausen, I am probably butchering it, Susan. Susan came (laughs) home from work to find a man hiding in her bedroom wielding a hammer, like a claw hammer. Fuck that. He got in one hit to her left temple before Susan slammed her entire body weight into him. She's screaming, who sent you? Oh my God. (laughs) As she's screaming, Susan managed to disarm the man and get in a few hits with the hammer herself. Susan, you got a lot of enemies at that hospital, girl? Because, but then the assailant got the hammer back from Susan. That's when she grabbed him around his throat, still screaming, who sent you? As he started to lose consciousness, she was like, let go, went to go leave. He regained consciousness. Dragged her back down to the ground. Now they're struggling. They're fighting on the ground. Bro, she tried to walk. She tried to just let you live and walk away. I know, right? That Multiple times she tried to just walk away from you. And that was the moment where he really fucked up. So now they're on the ground. They're grappling. He bites her. She bites him. She's grabbing. She's trying to grab at his ID. She describes it as her just in like a blind rage, just trying to do whatever she could to either get away from him she's like all i thought was i have to live so as they're fighting they're on the ground wrestling susan then throws her leg over the top of his body pins him down is sitting on his back and wraps her left arm right around his throat and she screams tell me who sent you here and i will call you an ambulance oh my god and he never answered and he died the assailant was a man named ed Haffy. he did Don't feel sorry for him. In his bag that was later found in her basement. So remember, he was in the home already when when she she got got home. home. And so she came home from work. I was going to put this in later, but I'll just say now. She came home from work. She unlocked her door and she disarmed her home security system. She went inside. So those things were all active. Yes, they were all locked. She came inside, she rifled through her mail, she set her stuff down in the kitchen, and it was when she went into her bedroom where the man was hiding that he attacked her. So he was in there that whole time. In his bag that was later found in her basement was his day planner, and on the week of the attack, there was a message, call Mike, get letter. Well, who's Mike? Susan's estranged husband. Because who else would it be? What was the letter? That I don't know. I'm a... Well, Mike. Who's Mike? He's a real piece of shit. He was a custodian at a porn store. 
A janitorial supervisor. That's not what made him a jerk, by the way. No, it's not. But it's just like when you get to know the person, you're like, oh, well, of course you at 57, that's that's what you're doing with your life to bring in your bills. That's probably why you're so miserable. It's because like you're not even the manager or a salesperson at the porno store. You're you're the janitor. I what a what, I have, what a position, man. Because I'm assuming it's a porn store that like had booths. I would assume that's the only kind you you would really need a janitor, right? Well, I if was they just thinking just sold porn and they didn't really have like a deep space for people to like go back and get things dirty. You would probably just hire really a cleaning a, crew. I was like, you wouldn't even really need a janitor. That would be part of the store clerk's job. You close up. You do a quick sweep, you lock the door, you go home. But I assume if you need a janitor, like you need a cleaning crew because you got a full crank in the back, if you know what I'm saying. <sighs> a few people doing a full crank in the back. Yeah. Um, so Mike was the janitorial supervisor. And he hated his fucking life. And he hated his life. And he and Susan had been married for 17 years when Susan was finally sick of his shit and kicked him out. Okay. And she she described him as just chain smoking, drinking Coke all day. His motto was, life is a shit sandwich and every day you got to take another bite. Yeah, he sounds like a real fucking yeah, he gem. He hated his life. And of course, gem. the type of man who won't really take ownership for why his life is so unhappy, but he's just going to blame the people around him. Right. Like, you got to make the best of your job. If you're a janitor at the porn shop, you got to fucking, you got to be into porn and you got to be excited that you're helping this industry roll. Like, you're cleaning up those booths because another person's got to go in there and crank and nobody wants to go in there in a booth that's sticky with somebody else's jism in there. Well, I mean, was... I'm sure there's somebody who that's their thing, but you've got a job and you got to take pride in it, Mike. If you hate your fucking life, that's on you. Sorry, go ahead. Well, apparently for Mike, it was on Susan. Right, to him, but he was wrong and that's why it went the way it did. And he fuck him and good for her. Yeah, fuck him and good for her. So she kicked him out. He went to go live with his dad, but Susan, who now knows better, Never changed her locks and never changed the alarm code. So when she arrived the night of the attack and her attacker was inside and everything was locked, it's because Mike let him in. Yeah. So when she came in, she saw a note on the counter from Mike saying that he had just come by. He dropped something off and he's going to be at the beach for the weekend. Wow. So he got the letter from Mike and the letter was, I just dropped off the murderer. It's let either him into like, your house, locked, let him locked it up, put in the code for him. So my thought is, it's I. The letter is either the letter that Mike that was left written by Mike that that's what he grabbed, and then he went in and he staged it to look like Mike went by, and then Mike ski daddled to the beach so that he would have an alibi. Right. Or Mike did come over. He did go inside. Also let that the killer in. in left the note, and then was like, I'm going to lock you in. You're going into lockdown, and locked him in the house. I don't know what actually, which of those two actually happened, sure. because I also think the letter could also indicate a down payment mm-hmm. for what is obviously a hit job, Yeah, which is what it is. Now, what's interesting is Susan obviously suspected that something was fucking up because she immediately comes in saying, who sent you? And then when she killed the guy and went over to the neighbor's house she told the neighbor that like she thinks that her estranged husband Husband, had something to do with it because she wanted a divorce and he didn't because she's not a janitorial supervisor nurse money she's a nurse making that come swiper money 
and chain smoking, drinking Cokes, hating his life because life is a shit sandwich that he has to eat. So Ed, the assailant, worked with Mike at the porn stop. He, at porn stop. he was a, uh, a janitor under, so Mike was his supervisor, but he was another janitor at the porn store. Ed, our assailant, already had a history so I guess maybe Mike was like, let me see your resume. Came up in conversation and he and was like, I've done some time. And Ed has like, the really experience. So Mike's like, I'm looking for someone with at least like five years experience. And Ed's like, I got you. I did nine years in prison. He's like, I'm looking for somebody who has a degree from the past year, but has five years of experience. <sighs> and Ed was like, oh, yes, because I've got five years of experience and I got my degree in prison. And he was like, great. Give me your resume and then type in your full work history. And Ed was like, <laughs> done. Here it is. And then classic. Actually, Ed just got the job because of nepotism because he knew somebody. Because he knew. Because he's actually his dad. He got the referral. Is Mike's uh, doctor. So like worked out that way. No. So Ed did have a history. He did spend nine years in prison after being convicted for murdering his ex-girlfriend. So he already done did a murder. So, he, you know, that's his thing. He already done did it. He already murdered a woman. I don't know the exact details. I didn't look into it because he's a piece of shit and good for her. So he uh, he already did it. Mike was like, you have the qualifications I'm looking for. And Mike apparently was going to pay him $50,000 to kill Susan. LOL, JK. Here's my question. Where did he get that $50,000? Is that Susan's money? Is he going to pay the In killer money to from kill Susan? Susan with their joint savings account? Or is he like, I'm going to kill her and I know I'm still on the will and I'm going to kill you with what I get from her dying? I don't know. I don't know. Cause he was it, wrong and stupid either way. Because then it makes me think of what's her face in 5,000% in Florida. How was she going to pay? Was that her money or was that her and her husband's money? Are these people who are hiring hitmen using their partner who they want to kill's money to, to pay their killer? Partner, isn't that even worse? Like, ugh. It is. It's like, Fuck you. I'm going to shit on you and then pay you someone to murder you. You can't even afford to pay the person to kill me. Where's this money coming from where, you're, you're paying to kill me with? Show me where he got this money, not his wife's this money. money. Or his dad's money. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, uh, none of it went according to plan. Sure. Because Susan is a bad bitch. And the cops... So this accident happened on September 6th. Mm -hmm. The cops caught Mike on September 13th. Of course, he was like, I don't know a Susan. Um, he said he didn't <laughs> do it. I didn't do it. Even if I did it, you couldn't say that it was wrong. And they were like, Mike, it was wrong. And then he was like, I don't know, Ed. And they're like, Ed worked with you. And he's like, OK, just so I worked with him doesn't mean that I had anything to do with this. And they're like, OK, what about this letter? He finally admitted he did it, and he pled guilty on August 30th of the next year, 2007. Jackal. Mike was set to be released from prison on September 14th, 2014. But God's timing is always right. <laughs> and that bastard died in prison on Friday the 13th of June, 2014, 92 days before he was set to be released. Won't he do it? Don't you love that? Won't Don't you he love do that? It. Fuck him and good for her. God's timing is always right. 
Susan has an episode of I Survived. I did not watch it, but the Reddit threads I saw talking about her said that she has a great episode on I Survived, and she did survive, and she went on with her life, and she has always said that she never, she was like, I didn't go into that being like, I'm going to kill him. I went into all of that that happened saying I need to live. And it just Good so happened that her. that meant that she had to kill him, literally strangle a man to death with her bare hands. But she tried. It killed she me. Tried she tried not to just to. walk away. And he was like, no, not today. And she's like, no, you not today. They You not today. How long did they fight for? They fought. Did I not write it down? They fought for like 14 minutes. Like they fought for a long that's a time. Long time. Like that's exhausting. And she, you know, gotta come on top. Gotta get on top. Wanna be on top. <laughs> she and she's like, like yes. I am. Let me uh, strangle him. So Susan, you did good. You got out of that deadbeat relationship. God's timing is always right. And good for her. That is a good for her story. Isn't that a good for her story? Yeah. I came across it and I was like, this is fantastic. I love that for her. I do too. I do too. Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? So I've got a, I mean, I've got a weird one. This okay. Week. So I'm going to start by, I I will give a content warning halfway through. Because okay. um, the first part is just, it's not super, super spooky. Um, but then when we get to the second part, it is spooky, but it's also really weird. And it's one of those things where, like, sometimes people can handle our show, but this is that one thing they don't want to hear about. You know what Got I mean? Got it. Yeah, of course. So I'm going to start by we're talking about the place called the Overton House, and then we're going to talk about the bridge that is attached to it, which is the Overton Bridge. Okay? And that's where most of the spooky shit has happened. Hmm. This sounds vaguely familiar. So the property was initially purchased in 1859 by James White. He was a retired lawyer, and it was, at the time, the Overton Farm. And he purchased it with the intention of turning it into a countryside retreat, like Mm -hmm. for him and his family. The farmhouse was demolished in order to build a lavish mansion, which was constructed between 1860 and 1863. James White hired renowned Glasgow. This is in uh, Scotland, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, Hired renowned Glasgow architect James Smith to design and build the house. Smith died in the last year that the house was being constructed and the building was completed by his business partners. James White, the owner of the property, he died in 1884 and his widow died in 1891, leaving Overton to their son, John White. John White also um, in this time, I don't know how nobility works. I'm sorry. I'm American and not attached to any of that. But in some way, he was named a baron in that time. So he became known as Baron Overton. Okay. I don't know how that works, but that's what happened. No clue. So so now he's Baron uh, Baron Overton. He made a deal for more of the adjoining property that had been, uh, there's like a ravine that separates these two properties. And so he purchased the land and then he had a bridge built. So the bridge was not part of the original property. And remember I said we're going to talk about the bridge Mm because it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had the bridge added. It was designed by civil engineer and landscape architect H.E. Milner. And it was constructed using rough-faced ashlar, which I had to look up what that is. And it's basically, for the time, it was a very sophisticated brick. Like, it's... Basically a brick, but at the time, like fancy brick. the technology to make that kind of brick was like fancy. And I was like, okay. It was like how people are now where they're like, they're 3D printing houses. 
<laughs> We're like, oh, fancy You're brick. Like, Sounds fancy. The bridge was completed in June of 1895. It comprises of three arches, a large central arch spanning a deep valley at the bottom, which is really important. It's not over water. It is over land. Okay. Which flows the Overton Burn, flanked on each side by lower, smaller pedestrian arches. I'm getting into the bridge because the bridge is important. Okay. Okay. Baron Overton died in 1908 with no heirs, leaving his estate to his nephew, Dr. Douglas White. White allowed Lady Overton to continue living there, and she was said to have wandered the bridge grief-stricken for years after her husband died. Mm -hmm. She would just, like, walk up and down the bridge and cry out about losing her husband. Girl, you gotta move on. It's thought by some that her presence still lingers in the location. People who've been on the bridge have described going from being happy one minute to sinking into a deep depression the next. Like, people will be on the bridge and they're just, like, overwhelmed by Mm. sadness. Mm. Lady Overton remained at Overton House until her death in 1931, after which Dr. Douglas White donated the property to the people of Dumberton, which is the local town. Um, So I'm going to show you... A couple pictures. Okay. So this is the house if you're looking from across the bridge. Okay. Okay. And looking from across the bridge, it said that you could see her up in this window up here. And this is the picture that's like circling the is window. Is that her? Oh, it's, is she in there? She's in, supposedly in this picture right here in the window. Okay. And this is the window that you're seeing from back here. Okay. All right. All right. The figure, captured in one of the 19th century's Manor's Bay windows, is thought to be Lady Overton, who is also known as the White Lady. I don't know if she's white, right? Because she's, you know, English and she's white. If she's white because her last name was white, she's white because she's a ghost. It could be any of the above. Okay? Here's where it starts to get dark. Aside from, like, people are like, okay, they've seen, maybe they've seen this lady's ghost. They get really sad. (sighs) First content warning, child death. There it is. In October of 1994, a paranoid schizophrenic named Kevin Moy threw his two-week-old son, Egan, to his death from the bridge. The fuck? Because he believed that his son was an incarnation of the devil due to a birthmark. Oh. It was like in 1994. Wow. The internet existed at that time. Yes. Now... I still have not mentioned, by the way, what this bridge is most famous for. This is an event that happened there. But the bridge already at this point had a reputation for, like, being really eerie and spooky and weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. He chose the location due to its association with dark spirits, growing back to the Druidic days. Following his act of murder, Moy then attempted to commit suicide several times by jumping off the bridge and by slashing his wrists. The child died in the hospital the following day. The man was found not guilty of murder by reason of insanity in a unanimous verdict and committed to Carster's Psychiatric Hospital in South Lanarkshire. Okay? All right. A lot of people have experienced a strange presence on the bridge itself, and many have seen ghosts around the estate. I had a very strange experience when I was researching my book and taking photographs of the estate, said Paul Owen, 51, who has written a book about the mystery surrounding Overton Bridge. I was standing on the bridge when I felt a phantom finger jab me in the back twice. It felt like I was on a train platform and somebody was trying to push me off. Very scary. So 
Here's where we're going to get into what this bridge is known for. So content warning, animal death. Oh, no. And when I say animal death. www.doesthedogdie.com. The answer is sometimes. Oh. You go, sometimes. I want to also stress that it's not animal cruelty that I'm going to be talking about, but animal death. And when you raise an eyebrow, you can skip ahead if you don't want to hear about it. But it's also very, very strange. Do all these animals just keep killing themselves? These animals just keep killing themselves on our bridge. Dog, uh, dog owner Alice Trevorrow, 50, was walking her Springer Spaniel, Cassie, across the bridge in 2018 when her pet suddenly jumped over a parapet onto the stony ground below. Trevorrow, a staff nurse, said, I'll never forget the awful whine she made as she leapt. My heart dropped. I have no idea how she survived. The bridge is so high, I was almost certain that she would have died. Trevorrow said Cassie raced over the bridge as soon as she got out of their car and looked left as though she had seen something. Cassie then jumped off the 50-foot-high parapet, mm. something Trevorrow said was so uncharacteristic. She's never done anything like that before. The Springer Spaniel escaped uninjured. But around 100 dogs are believed to have died leaping from the bridge. The fuck? Since the 1950s, numerous reports of dogs either falling or jumping from the bridge have been reported, with the incidents often resulting in serious injury or death upon landing on the rocks some 50 feet below. The bridge has since been nicknamed Dog Suicide Bridge. It's awful! Various explanations for these deaths have been proposed, ranging from natural accidents to paranormal activity. So... Uh, it started during the 1950s. Around 50 dogs have died after leaping from the 50-foot-tall bridge. 50 to 100, it range, I see the number range anywhere in there. But in that same time period, some 600 dogs have jumped off of the bridge and survived. So it's just like a crapshoot? I mean, it's just really far. It's a dangerous yeah. fall, but a lot of dogs just jump off of this bridge. They're just like, yeet, skirt. Right. You're like, why are these dogs jumping off this bridge, right? So sometimes the dogs have made the jump, survived, come back, and jumped again as soon as they could. Stop. <laughs> All of the dogs reported to have taken the jump are long nose breeds. I can't read this word, but it's like dolly chocephalic types, like German shepherds and Scottish terriers. So flat, but it's also because flat faced bulldogs can't really jump. I don't know if it's because they can't jump or if they can't smell as well. Right. The dogs all jump from the same spot between the two ramparts on the right-hand side of the bridge at the very end. And it has to be a clear day. Nobody can explain why. The most common theory is that there's a smell that's luring the dogs Mm -hmm. to their demise. Squirrels, mice, and most pungently, mink are known to nest below the bridge, the scent of which can be very attractive to dogs. A scientific test has been undertaken where 10 long-nosed pups were given a variety of scents to follow, 70% of the dogs made for the mink. This theory ticks a variety of boxes. Mink were introduced to this area in the 1950s when the jumps began, Mm. and the smell of mink would be the strongest on clear or dry days. Are animals even able to deliberately end their lives? 
Canine psychologist Dr. David Sands says dogs cannot. Yet there is some historic precedent within the animal kingdom. A story from the Daily Mail reports that in 2009, over a period of three days, 28 cows deliberately walked off a cliff in the Swiss Alps. In the Oscar-winning documentary The Cove, released the same year, dolphin trainer Richard O'Berry talked of how Kathy, the dolphin most used in the 1960s television show Flipper, drowned herself in his company. There's an insect, the sap-sucking... Wow, Kathy, that's really rude to be that do that traumatic thing to that poor man. <laughs> do you think she made eye contact with him she while she did? She him like, while she was just holding herself under. <laughs> There's an insect, the sap-sucking Acerthospian Siam, the pea aphid, to its mates, that will make itself explode under attack from ladybugs to protect other members of its colony. Hmm. And there are reports of dogs ending their own lives. In, in 1845, a report of a Newfoundland dog in the Illustrated London Times claimed that the dog killed itself by throwing itself into the water before preserving perfect stillness of the legs and feet. Each time it did this, the dog was saved. Then it held its head underwater until it stopped breathing. Did it's you, weird because part of you wants to laugh. I know. Wait until I show you this picture. Did I can't. you watch the TikTok I sent you of the hamster where the mom's like filming the hamster and he like pushes his water bottle out of the little hole that it's in and like crawls himself in there. And she's like, oh, no, get him, get him. He's trying to hang himself. Oh, my God. And the, the dad and the son in the background are like, well, yeah, he hates his life. Oh, God. <laughs> and he's <laughs> The kid in the back is just like, yeah, he hates his life. He's a hamster with no wheel. <laughs> just... Oh, no. Um, I was crying. I was laughing so hard when I was watching it. He didn't die. He fell out. The, like, ring wasn't big enough. But they were just like, she's like, he's trying to kill himself. And they're like, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no, yeah, of course he is. Um, Dr. Sands traveled to the bridge with a documentary crew in 2005 in order to conduct his own investigation, something the Scottish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals have also done. There, standing at the point of the bridge where the dogs jump, he says, just me as a person, forget a dog, all of your senses are on fire. It's a strange feeling. Hmm. He also eliminated other proposed explanations. Sight, he said, wasn't a factor since from a dog's eye view, you couldn't see beyond the wall, just the ivy-covered granite. He ruled sound out, too, a proposed theory that nearby Faslin Bay, home of the UK's Trident SSBN nuclear submarines, was creating a frequency only animals could hear, uh, and that theory was shut down after experts in acoustics were brought in to test the length of the bridge, finding nothing unusual in their tests. Mm -hmm. So... The prevailing theory is that they smell the, the smell. minks, right? That they smell the minks down below. Um, and that the way that this is built, and I'll show you the turret. So the idea is that... <laughs> now, this picture is going to make you laugh. It makes, I mean, it makes me laugh. But I guess somebody drew, like, the trajectory of a dog. Yes. So there's this picture of the bridge, <laughs> just this like red dotted line like, coming over the side of the bridge. This isn't even the funniest picture I have to show you. I really hope it's a dog yeeting itself over the bridge. So if you'll look here um, at the turret, and mm -hmm. we'll post these pictures, but you'll see that there are levels up and down, yep. right? Up and down. And the ones that are down are slanted 
down. Okay. Okay. So the thought that some people have is that they can't tell that the bridge just goes off and that they're jumping up, trying to like jump up to get a look. And then and it... that they jump on one of the slanted parts of the turret and they slant and they fall off. And they're like, no, 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 no. Right. Then <laughs> when I was reading about this, one of the articles had a picture and I was like, that picture cannot be real. And it is not. It is a photoshopped picture. Okay. But it is a photoshopped picture of a dog jumping <laughs> off the bridge. And so I have to show you this picture. <laughs> Where I'm like, the scenario. Why does the dog looks so happy. Right? I'm like, the scenario isn't particularly funny, but this picture, which mind you, this picture was like at the top of the article. And I was like, that cannot be a real picture. All dogs go to heaven. And it's not. It is a Photoshop picture. And they showed like the credit for the picture of the bridge and the credit for the picture of the dog. And I was like, they did Photoshop this picture. But for those listening, we will post this on our Instagram. The Photoshopped picture is of this like little white terrier in like a pink sweater. <laughs> So it's like a little dog, like jumping over the side of the bridge, but it's exciting. Like it's, it's, it's so it's, happy. It's a picture of a dog chasing after like a toy. Like the dog is really the happy. Ears are blowing in the wind. But they photoshopped this dog <laughs> jumping <laughs> off the side of the bridge, and I was like, "Who did this?" And I was like, "Just send her this picture and don't give her any context." And I was like, "No, I've got to give her the context." <laughs> So this is the bridge, but that is not an actual picture of a dog jumping off of the bridge. Oh, it is funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is a bridge in Scotland where dogs seem to just jump over the side and kill themselves. They go to release themselves. They go to release themselves <laughs> over the side of the Overton Bridge. And that's my story this week. <laughs> Here's my question, which I think this a lot. Um, why aren't they on a leash? Right, so because then question. you could be like, "Oh no!" And I imagine it's the retractable leash. So it's like, sh -sh 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 -sh, dog drops down, and you're just holding them like a fishing line. And that was and you're my like, thought Retract. too. Was I was like, "How many of these dogs are just not on leashes?" And one lady was like, "You know, my dog is so well behaved. Like I, I never, never have her on a lead, right?" And I'm like, "And then that happened." And then the other lady who we talked about, she said, "Like literally, she opened the door of and the it car, bolted. and the dog bolted and jumped over the side of the bridge. Like yeah. she couldn't. She didn't even." Like, have a chance. But I thought that, too. I was like, are these dogs not on fucking leashes? Or are they on leashes and jumping over and, like, the leash comes off? Which is, like, even scarier Even worse, yeah. Me, right. Super scary. Ooh. I mean, I also think that same phrase every time I walk in the Wissahickon Park. Why is your dog not on a leash? Why is your dog not on a leash? I hate it. I don't care how well behaved your dog is. I don't is. care. Put if your you dog on a fucking leash. Put your dog on a fucking leash. It kills me. It makes me so crazy. There are, and I will say because I've been to them, there are open parks like the Wissahickon Trails in Philadelphia that are off-leash dog open trails. But if it's there, that's great. Right. The Wissahickon, the Wissahickon is, not is not one of them. <laughs> And just because you think your dog is really well behaved does not make every open space a fucking leashless, lawless land. No, nope, because even if it your dog so is crazy. super well behaved, other, people, other people's dogs are not, and accidents happen. Absolutely. Period. Period. Leash, leash, leash your, your dog. dog, bro. Leash your dog. Unless leash your you kids. live out on a farm and you don't have neighbors and you're not next to the road, put your dog on a fucking leash, bro. You live in the city. We're in Philadelphia. Everybody's got a gun. I hate it put so much. Put your dog on a leash. Honestly. 
Yeah. So much. So that's the story of Dog Suicide Bridge. So what we learned this week is fuck him. Good for her. And put your dog on a leash. Put your dog on a leash. Man, that picture, though, of the dog, right? And then the the other picture, too, of, like, the trajectory of the dogs. Where I'm like, this story isn't funny, but these pictures are really funny. I want to take that picture of the dog jumping, and I want to superimpose it over the trajectory picture. (laughs) With just, like, multiple little locations. (laughs) Of the dog just, like, And then at the bottom, it's just going to be a, like, fake explosion, like... Really bad, yeah. really, really like pixelated. There we go. Emoji like of a an fiery mushroom cloud. Yes, yes. And that's my story. <laughs> oh, I love it. Me too. I love it. Wild, right? These weird. You're just, you're just like, where is this going? And then you're like, dogs committing suicide. Huh. All right. Now I've got All right. Hiccups. I think anytime I hear of an animal seemingly to like willingly unalive themselves. I'm just like, that is interesting. And also, if an animal is willing to go, I don't want to be here anymore, like, life is hard. What does that say for the rest of us? It is a miracle we're all still here. Did I tell you about that time Xander set himself on fire? (laughs) I think you did. That happened. Xander always cheats death. We had a candle on the... (laughs) <laughs> the coffee table and Xander hopped up on the coffee table and like just looking at us like sat down next to the candle and the way cats like kind of flop their tail back and forth just flopped his tail into the candle and it caught fire and he did not notice we screamed and like shoved him off the table and he was like why is everybody freaking out and then out? he was a flaming cat and running around your house and he had a little cinch mark on the tail on the little butt end of his tail not the butt end the end end not the end that's attached to his butt because he probably would have moved when that happened that would have happened right but no like he burned the little tip of his tail and he didn't even fucking notice oh fucking dingus what a dingus that's my story but we love him Well, I want to thank you all so much for listening. And I want to remind you, our live show is just short of two weeks away. Oh, my God. So you should totally, totally come see us. It's going to be Wednesday, February 23rd at Frankie Bradley's here in Philadelphia. Yes. Doors are at 7. The show starts at 8. Pay what you can. Suggest a donation of $5. Please don't let a ticket price be the reason you can't come see this show. We would absolutely love to have you. It's going to be a marvelous time. It has been... More than two years in the making at this point. Seriously. For our live 200th episode. I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. Otherwise, of course, you can support the show by following us on Patreon, by emailing us. And the best, freest way that you can support our podcast is by giving us a five-star review on iTunes, on Spotify, anywhere where you listen to our show, and tell your friends. And we will see you Wednesday, February 23rd at Frankie Bradley's. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 